Hello, everyone. My name is Harrison, and this is WCCS Podcast. Now, normally, I would be hosting a very different show about my parents' music or on someone else's show, but that's not what we're here today for. Today, we're actually going to be recounting different um, recent events that have been going on, and I, uh, I had the idea that we should actually record them and put them on our radio because there's a lot of stuff happening, and I think it'd be good to get perspectives of people connected uh, to Eden College on that, and also just uh, in general. So I have a special guest if they'd like to introduce themselves. Yeah, hi y'all. Um, I'm Casey Smith, and I'm a recent Wheaton grad. So, Casey, um, you recently have been involved with different protests regarding the Black Lives Matter movement and everything happening after uh, the murder of George. Floyd, which happened a few weeks ago at this point. Now, I know you were involved with planning the protest in Norton, which was in the town where we both went to school for, I still go when you went to school. And also you went to the Boston protest, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Or one of the Boston protests? Yeah, so the one in uh, Franklin Park, because there was also one, I think was near the uh, state house. And then I don't know if the Brockton one was separate or not. I'm not super like up to date on how many there were, but so can you tell me this, tell us a little about like the experiences you had at the uh, Boston one? Yeah, so the Boston one was absolutely like huge. And so me and a few friends from high school, we decided to go. Um, and so it was very, it, it was different than other protests I've been to. Um, and most of the other Boston ones I've been to have been um, ones that were like on the common or like the state house or like in government center. And so sort of like just like in that general area um but so this was near franklin park um which is just somewhere like i don't go in boston as much um and so it's just definitely a different area and the way the street is set up there was um i think first of all slightly more enclosed feeling um it felt like you were on this one street and there weren't as many side streets to go off of and, and i do think that kind of was a different tone and it, it i think it had things on edge a little bit because there were like so many like police officers there and so like obviously me and um all my friends who went like we're white um and so like things definitely weren't as like probably nerve-wracking for us as they would be for other people um obviously but one of the first things i noticed was when we were at the rally part at the beginning um we were pretty close like to the front and like we could barely hear the speakers because there were so many helicopters mm-hmm. above and every other protest i've been to like in boston has been pretty like low-key because all of them like you know they're like they're the police permits and stuff and they were kind of like police set like routes and stuff and this um i don't like know what the affiliation was um but it was just it was freaky it like to say the the least it was a lot of helicopters a lot of like drones like police drones flying over and stuff mm-hmm. and it was, like so tightly surveyed like it was it was creepy um the fact of how um, intensely monitored this protest was as opposed to others, um, mm-hmm. which I found disturbing in itself. Like the fact that, like, like inherently because it's like a race protest, like that that was why this was happening. Um, now, what which, other protests have you been to? Um, so I went to yeah the women's march in 2016. Um, then the climate march in like 2017 or something, and then the other climate march that was this year um i've like accidentally stumbled into some protests a few times like i missed a bus once and then just joined like an anti like gun protest um which was fun and then um there were there have been a few other like smaller ones but those were the big ones like i've been to in the last few years i would say um and all of those were like in the main like government century like kind of area um but yeah and so then yeah, and so then, so it, it was just, it was like a really, also, I mean, this was, oh, and then, sorry, there was also the, um, the after the immigration ban happened, there was one um, near, like, the Boston Public Library, I think, maybe, and I think, yeah, one. yeah it, it, honestly, they're kind of running together, like, after a while, like, I'm like, which one was which, because there were a bunch that mm. happened in, like, 2016 to, like, 17, period, um, but yeah, and so, anyway, so this one, obviously, was, uh, definitely like more like somber in tone because like i mean mm-hmm. subject wise it's like there's a lot of stuff going on um 
And so, but, you know, they made very clear at, like, the beginning rally, like, that, you know, like, they, like, they were, like, be peaceful, like, we're not going to destroy this neighborhood. It's, like, a majority, like, Black neighborhood, like, we're not going to mm-hmm. do that. And so that was, like, the tone that the organizers set. Um, and so I found it even weirder, like, not surprising, but it was just, like, one of those things that, like, just reinforced it was how much, like, continuing with that police presence, like, after that's, like, explicitly stated in the rally, it's just, like, it's, like, another slap in the face, you know, like, to, like, those organizers, it's, like, why does this need to be here, um, and stuff, I mean, obviously, that's the point of these protests in the first place, but it was just, you know, something else noticing as we're walking through, but, um, I think the weirdest thing was, so we're walking down that one road, and, like I said, it's kind of that main road leading out of Franklin Park, and, um, all of a sudden, this, like, big, like, police, like, you know, like, Mm. wagon comes through, and so a few of the people are, like, okay, let them through, let them through, and so nothing happens, everybody steps aside and and lets them through, Um, and then, like, 15 motorcycle cops come racing through, and then, like, 20 bike cops come, like, zoom in through down the road, and they made the whole protest stop in part to let them through, and we kind of were, like, yelling at them as they went through, and we're like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, a medical emergency. Like, and we're like, okay, like, first of all, why do you need, like, 30 cops to deal with, like, mm-hmm. a medical emergency? But then I was talking to someone at the Norton protest, and she had been to the Franklin Park protest, and she was, like, in the park section, so, like, behind us where they were headed, and she said they just, like, headed down there to just, like, hang out. Like, there was no emergency. There's nothing. I mean, like, regardless, I don't know why the police would be dealing with a medical thing. And I wouldn't put past them to do that. But it was just like, it was like, wow, like, you're actually gonna, like, stop this protest just because you can and because you just want to make a show and there's not, and, like, lie about there being, like, an emergency. It was just, that was crazy. And, um, yeah, so then we went to a precinct in... I don't know exactly where we were because we were, we were just walking forever and we were just kind of following the crowd. So we kept on going. Um, and so we stopped at this police precinct and there were a few guys who were like dressed in like full like riot gear and they were like waiting. They had like their guns and they're just like waiting up on this like balcony. And then there's a bunch of other like bike cops standing in front. And so then everybody was started kneeling and we were all like kneel with us. And then like they refused to kneel and we're like, oh, great. Like enchanting. And so, um, which, you know, I'm not a big, I, like, I don't agree with the police kneeling thing. I think it's, I, I think it says nothing because so many of those police officers that kneel, you know, they go around and, you know, fire tear gas at you. But to not kneel is, like, an extra, like, just, like, w- like what's wrong with you? Like, at that point, what's wrong with you? Um, so then we keep going, and we went to another precinct, more, like, kind of, like, we're headed kind of towards, like, like the Prudential Center, like kind of there. Right. So another big, I think it was the HQ for the police. I, I Honestly, I don't know. At that point, I was like, I don't know where we are, but we're here. Um, it was a bigger police precinct and there were some barricades and we were like across the street from them. And we start stepping off of like that little like middle of the road sidewalk. And all of a sudden we hear this big bang. And so we all back up because we're like, oh no, here comes the tear gas. Um, and someone, I don't know whether it was a protester or if it was a police officer, yeah. like, I, I didn't see where it came from, th- but it was right next to a police officer. There was this, like, Gatorade bottle that had gotten thrown down on the ground. And so it was just weird, like, any noise, you know, no matter mm-hmm. what, was, everybody was freaked out. So we stayed over there for a bit. And then we came and we slowly, like, encroached on the barricade and started yelling. And, um, and no, like, nothing was thrown, nothing, you know, it was totally cool. And um we got closer and all of a sudden we hear people start saying that there are police behind us and they like totally encircled this like crowd of people mm. it's like really it, it was crazy and by then it was it was like night um and so people started kind of leaving that area and then not too long after that the protest kind of disbanded for the, like it got kind of mm. smaller like people kind of fell apart um and that's we left not too long after that but yeah so it was it was weird. It was it was a very different experience, I'll say. So what drew you, I guess, it's a two-part question, what drew you to go into the protest just in mm-hmm. general and also why specific the Franklin Park one? Because you said there was the one in Brockton and the one at the State House. So why that specific uh, yeah. protest? So we, so, okay, so first question is, I feel like for me, like, 
it, this is just blown up so much. Like, I feel like this is something that, like, and like anybody can't, like, really ignore. And I feel like going to a protest is just, like, like, what you do. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm sitting here and I'm like, wow, like, I guess, like, like, I feel like, I, I think there are a lot of times, like, you know, being white, I'm just like, I, like, I don't even know where to start with this. I'm just like, I, like, I don't know how, like, you know, I, because I grew up in, like, such, like, a white town and stuff, and I'm like, I don't really know how to stop all of everything that's going on, but it's like, protesting seems like the first step, and it seems like, you know, something I can do. Um, and so, the one we went to, the Franklin Park one, was hosted by this um, organization called Violence in Boston, which is pretty cool, and they, like, talk about, like, different kinds of, like, racial violence and stuff that goes on, um, and my friend, actually, um, they sent me the, the link to it, so I actually didn't know that the other ones were going on at that point, like, me and my friend were talking about going to one, like, Connecticut or something, so I was looking more at those ones, and, and they just sent this link to the Franklin Park one, and I was like, oh, yeah, let's go, like, it's on Tuesday, like, why not, um, and yeah, and so we just kind of went, um, and yeah, so, so it was kind of, it was a little random that we happened to pick that one, but yeah, the organization hosting seemed pretty cool, too, um, and so we kind of liked, like, their whole deal. It was pretty cool. I know, I think I saw the flyer for the violence, one hosted by the, the uh, group Violence in Boston, and then when I, I remember when I saw the name, I was like, this group seems fake, and then I learned later on that it's actually, like, a real group but it's something mm -hmm. the name threw me off but also um so comparing it to or so you left you said when it started getting dark yeah and then it was probably dark for like an hour like we left around like 9 30 ish or something mm -hmm. so it was late ish but so i know i'm not sure um we probably all saw in the news afterwards when the police started to make arrests and his stores started to be broken into was that was that the night we were in or was it the night after because i know there was I'm trying to picture in my head a timeline. I know there's one night where I just remember just watching on the news and seeing um, uh, Newberry Street. And I, yeah, that street just being broken into, like, all the stores. Yeah, there. I know um, the Brockton one got, like, kind of crazier. And I remember because at the end of ours, my mom was, like, texting me and she's like, yeah, the Brockton one's getting, like, violent. Like, you should come home. And so at that point, too, I was like, I don't want to worry her so you know I'll, I'll go home soon enough but um as far as I know the one I was at didn't escalate too much but I know then later I think closer to the state house some stuff escalated but yeah so yeah I'm not I'm not 100% sure um what happened to which protests like yeah because the timeline's confused for me too because I'm like which day was it I you know because I think we went to the Tuesday one I think and I think another one happened Monday where some stuff went down like on new I think that was the Newberry that, yeah I was trying to remember and yeah in my head of what happens um so can you describe what it was like I guess being around the other protesters that were there like what was I guess the general feeling and also did you have any interactions with the police or did you see any interactions with the police between protesters uh and them yeah so everybody at the protest was like super super cool like it was one of the most like it's kind of hard to describe but I feel like other protests I've gone there and like you know you've been in a big group and you're all protesting but this one like I felt like if something were to happen to anybody there like everybody was in it together and like it was very much like this feeling of just like really intense like solidarity you know to and I think um especially in terms of like kind of the people against the police like I felt like people were acting like a unit you know and I think that kind of like helped it, it felt like you know if if things were going to escalate and if the police are going to come at us like I, I felt like people were like pretty willing to like stick together and that was that was cool um and I'll say like I didn't see much go down with the police i'm trying to think like i know there's one point when we were across from that precinct across from that barricade this one guy walked up and the rest of us were like on that sidewalk and he walked up and he had like his his camera out and he was just filming them and he walked like right up against that barricade and i was just like so worried for him like i just i really thought something was going to happen and it didn't 
um thank god but it, yeah but it was just it was very tense but yeah we didn't see anything happen at that point um but yeah i i think later in the night there was probably some stuff that went down but at that point we had left um but yeah so now we're gonna move on from the boston protest i know you helped plan the one in norton which is again where we went to school so first question why did you decide to help plan one there instead of your own hometown because i know because you grew up i'm not going to say where you i don't care yeah i I grew up in natick yeah so yeah so why choose norton instead of natick to plan one yeah, well, so I think the first thing is I've always been just 100% like more politically active in Norton. Like when I got to Wheaton, um, I think it was when I got into like town politics as opposed to like national stuff. Um, not that I'm not in the national stuff now, but I'm definitely like, yeah, I'm, I'm more interested in like local level stuff. Um, and in Natick, I think because I grew up here, I almost feel like it's weird to be politically active for me, I think, in the town where you grew up, because there's so many people who still see you as, like, a kid, you know, or who still see you as, like, one of the kids in the school that grew up there, rather than, like, I go to Norton, I'm, like, a college student, and I'm gonna, like, go out and do stuff, and that's just how it's gonna be. Um, there had also already been a couple protests in Natick. The seniors at, like, our high school are really cool. Like, they've organized a lot of cool stuff, um, and so I was, like, like, Natick's, like, doing better than Norton is and actually so they're the Norton Democrats talked to me about doing like a like a candlelight vigil and so then I told um my friend Aisha who's also at Wheaton I was like oh they're thinking of doing a vigil because she had talked to me about going to a protest and she was like oh actually we're planning on doing a protest do you want to just like merge the two and I was like yeah like absolutely um and so the main idea of the protest like came from her and some other students who are currently like living at Wheaton and like staying there. Um, and so I was like, I can just be like the ball boy, you know, like I like that stuff. Like I'll call whoever you need. I'll do whatever. Um, Cause it, it's weird. It's very weird because I feel like as a white person, I don't like, that's not my place to like organize stuff or to be like that voice. Um, and so I felt weird the entire time. And I've, it's always like weird. Like Norton is like 93% white. Like, and it's so hard to, I feel like to strike that balance because I feel like, like a lot of the like people in Norton can be scary. Like Norton's like, you know, like, I don't know, like 55, 45 Democrat Republican. And I would say that some of the right wing fashion, um, faction in Norton is like scary. You know, I've heard a lot of students talk about, like, kind of scary experiences they've had, like, people shouting, like, slurs and stuff at them on the side of the road, you know, like, not good stuff. Um, And so I figured, I was like, you know, I can do, like, the Norton Facebook page stuff, I can get in touch with the police and stuff, because the students, the other students organizing felt more comfortable having police there, which was, that that was a tricky one to to deal with, but we just wanted to, them, them to be on our side rather than the side of anybody who would, like, come and do something horrible so um so yeah and so I felt like you know at that point if I'm gonna be a white person and be involved in this I can at least do that kind of stuff you know um and yeah posting on the Norton Facebook page was very spicy um and I would not want anyone else to have to do that there were a lot of people who like were very nice and stuff in the comments but apparently I heard from some people it's like one of the most commented on posts on that Facebook page and there were like a few people who really like went off and were like it was so weird like people were like oh Casey's from Natick go back to Natick go back where you came from and I'm like oh my god like you're so xenophobic you can't deal with a person who's like an hour away from here like it was weird like it was really crazy and so um and yeah and I I feel like it was something that needed to be done there because that's kind of the weird kind of divide in that town like some of it is very progressive and some of it's just so like so not. can I ask um yeah so did you feel at so compared to the Boston one there's at least hundreds thousands of people and then earlier before this um I asked how many were at the northern one you said some people said like you said around 70 but you said around 100 so were you afraid for your safety there do you like did you knowing how it was reacted to on Facebook do you think like something may happen um I wasn't afraid for my safety because I knew that, like, I knew that the nature of the protest, there probably wouldn't be a lot of police violence, because I, I 
suspected a good chunk of the crowd was going to be white. Um, and like, which is messed up, but I was like, they're probably not going to come at a group of white people, which is like so messed up. Um, and I was kind of at that point, like my whole take was like, yeah, like that's what I'm here to do is like, make sure that that doesn't happen. And like, keep that, like, if there's like a white supremacist element that wants to come in, like, that's my job to do. And like, with the other white people organizing, like, that's what we're gonna do. Um, but yeah, I was a little worried because there were some comments that were like, we should have our own march. And I was like, oh God, please no. Um, but then it rained for the first like two hours. So we postponed and I, I'm glad that that happened because I think that a lot of people were like, oh, they just like went inside um, or something like that, um, which was good. Um, but yeah, it, it was weird. It was very different than the Boston one because the Boston one, like, I felt like it was much more anti-police and much more like, like, yeah, like, you know, like, take down the system, dismantle it, abolish the police, and, you know, I'm like, rock on, like, let's do it. Um, and the Norton one was much less like that. And it's a weird, it was definitely a weird position to be in because I was like, you know, I, I don't want to be that milk toasty, but I also don't feel like it's my place to go and be like, no, let's heckle the police because then for the few like, like black students and, and people who are there, like, I, like, I don't know. It just, it, it was weird. Like, I'm not going to put people in danger, but I also, you know, don't want it to, to come off as milk toasty. So it was definitely um, weird, but I think it was much needed because I think there's something to be said for um, these kinds of protests, like in the suburbs, because um, it's very easy like even living in Natick, it's very easy to be like, oh, well, it's not, it's not here. Like it's in the cities, it's somewhere else, you know? And when you have these protests and you have just even a couple people standing out on the side of the road with some signs, it's like, I think it is a reminder to people driving by that like, like, no, like this affects all of us. And overwhelmingly um, people passing by were pretty positive. I think I counted it. Only like four people said mean things out their car windows. So I'll take that as a win. Um, but yeah, so it was just, it, it was definitely, it was still tense. And there were times where like, there were like, like the only police officers that were there were some um, traffic cops. Um, but it was weird because so right before I, I emailed the police chief and I was like, hey, um, want to make sure that if things do get out of hand, which they won't, like you're not going to use like tear gas or rubber bullets or anything like that. And he have been being pretty nice like we had talked on the phone and stuff and, and confirmed like everything like and where things were going to happen um and he just sent me back like this really weird like a kind of like aggressive like passive aggressive email it's just like there will be bike cops present like and that was it and it was just like very weird and i was like that like that didn't need to happen you know i feel like promising not to use like chemical weapons isn't like a big thing i don't even know if norton has those but we just wanted to make sure and the other students were asking and so like it was just weird it was it was very weird to get that as a response not surprising but just weird and um the other thing that was like upsetting but like I totally like I totally get it um is so the other student organizers at Wheaton said like so a lot of the students I think staying on campus right now are like students of color a lot of them are black students um and a lot of them didn't feel comfortable coming to the protest and that's what they told to the Wheaton students because I didn't have much contact with Wheaton people. I was dealing more with town people. Um, and part of that was probably like because of the police presence there. Um, and part of it, I think a lot of it was because of like the Norton like demographic and, and kind of worries about that, um, which was like, like understandable, but it also, it sucks that that's how it was and how white the turnout was simply because like those students didn't even feel comfortable or like even those people in the town, like black people in the town didn't feel comfortable being there. And I think that says a lot about like the protests themselves and kind of how weird of a balance it is in organizing and getting things together. It's like, at what point, like, yeah, like at what point do you involve police and at what point do you not um, is confusing, especially like in small towns and stuff, because it, like it's so you're gonna get a hundred people and if that happens and the police aren't aware of it what are they gonna do and I think that's really scary it's like there's kind of no winning in a way and 
that was something I think that really made me think about that in a way I hadn't before. Or I'd, I'd never really had to think about that that much, um, which was just interesting. It was interesting when you said um, how you didn't fear for your, like, your personal safety mm -hmm. at the Northern one. Because I remember I haven't been into any of the uh, Black Lives Matter recent protests, mostly just because of COVID and the pandemic that's going on, which mm -hmm. I'm going to ask a question about that later. But I remember going, I went to the Women's March and I went to, I think a climate one, I think I went to like three of the ones you mentioned at the beginning, yeah. which I think is funny because it was like three years before we knew each other. Yeah, right. But I remember like I'd never feared for my safety. I never really thought of it. And the only time I ever in really a public setting where I was in a group and feared for my safety was at um, a Hanukkah celebration in the middle of where I'm from, Malden. And that was the only time I ever feared for my safety, which was very weird because I didn't like, it was just being in the open with around, and it was less, like, I wasn't afraid of the cops, but it was, you hear everything in the news sometimes, you're just like, is this when it's going to happen? Mm -hmm. So it is weird, I think, I mean, obviously, I'm a white male, I have very privileged, and mm -hmm. I think it was, so being part of the Jewish community is the only time where it's like, the group that people dislike that I am <laughs> genetically a part of. Yeah. And like once I was in a gathering of people who were also Jewish or celebrating Hanukkah, I was very like, oh, this is the only time I'm afraid. So it's just a weird thing to be like, how I guess lucky and privileged mm -hmm. I am to like I I can walk next to police officers in a protest and know I'm gonna be fine. Most mm -hmm. like I'm most likely gonna be fine. And mm -hmm. then really only in this one other setting where some people they can never walk next to a police officer and feel safe yeah it's just weird thing that i just like even just talking to you i finally actually thought of like in mm -hmm. one thing yeah what makes me mad about it is that like i've always you know like i feel like like police brutality it's been in the news for like ever and and i mean there have been other instances incidents and stuff in like our lifetime that have caused massive protests and I felt like it, it, it does make me mad at myself because I feel like back then I was like, yeah, like that's bad. Like that sucks. And I feel like I never, and I feel like I was down to be like, yes, this is a systemic problem, but I still feel like, you know, you can say things are a systemic problem to yourself a certain amount of times before you actually have to be like, yeah, it's like a systemic problem. And like, you got to do something about it. And I really, it's, it's weird that now really kind of getting into like into it that even just like a little bit you know just scraping under the surface and all of a sudden i'm like wow like why wasn't i doing this earlier and why why didn't i think this would work earlier you know like the fact that these protests are starting to like change things like now that like the minneapolis police department is thinking about like you know totally reforming their police and possibly like abolishing them and they're promising to like do all this stuff um, and I'm like, wow, like, why, like, why was this not something I was as confident about, you know? And, um, I think a lot of it is, is the privilege of it because I think, especially comparing the protests, um, like going to the Women's March, like, I felt like the police that were there were just like, hey, we're the police, we're just hanging out here and like, whatever. And maybe this is a perception thing or whatever, but they, you know, they seemed like they're just there. And I was like, whatever cool um but then going to this one like like looking into some of these guys eyes and just like seeing like pure hatred like fire back at you and i was like wow like the racial composition of the protest group changes and all of a sudden boom like it's a it's a totally different mentality and so i feel like an idiot just like saying that because like that's obvious to anybody who's like not white in this country you know um and i think it's weird it, like kind of like almost meta thinking it. it's just weird that how recently that contrast has been like so apparent to me and i like i feel like i'm like wow like uh, this is crazy like <laughs> this is just so crazy um but yeah i i feel like i can't really verbalize it well i feel like i'm not doing it justice but um yeah, but I, yeah. Think, I think a lot of people are feeling like we have in the past few weeks and months just realizing that like things we're aware of and then we're just like and I've, I've questioned myself, like, hey, why haven't I done more? What have I done? And it can be, it, 
not to let us off the hook, but it can be difficult just to think of what to do sometimes. Mm. And I know there's a lot of, like I've been trying to read more books on the subject or watch different things. I know, um, like I've signed, I think every petition that I've found. And mm. actually I know like it's these weird small things that like, mm-hmm. because as much as I was just always trying to be part of something and trying to be helpful, then I feel like everyone, I feel like a lot of people always feel like, oh, it's not going to be enough. And it's sort of recognizing that. To go on to the next question, like mentioning COVID, there's a lot of other things going on right now that sort of limit what you can do. Because I know there's been different marches and where I'm from, and I felt I just couldn't go because I don't want to risk it. I don't want to risk getting COVID. Yeah. Especially because I have a, I have a high risk. My father is high risk. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to risk that. So how did, um, one I'll ask, did you struggle at all trying to decide, should I go to this march with uh, COVID and the pandemic going on? And then also knowing that you did go, did you see people following like any of the guidelines that were present or wearing masks or gloves or trying to distance? Or was it sort of just like, it just didn't work? Yeah, well, so I guess to the first part of that. So actually when the protest first started happening, a friend messaged me and was like, if this keeps up, I'm going to go to Minneapolis and protest there. And I was like, cool, I'll go. And then all of a sudden I think about it, I'm like, no, actually I won't. Cause I'm like, you know, the amount like of traveling I would have to do to get there, the odds of me picking it up along the way and then giving it to someone there would probably do much more harm than me being one extra body there. Um, especially because, you know, I don't know the area. I don't know what I'm doing. I'd probably just be more of a liability than an asset, you know? Um, and so I think that was one of them. But then going to one in Boston, I was like, well, you know, I know my way around. I can, if it feels like it's too crowded and people aren't, you know, obeying by by COVID regulations, like I, I know how to get around. Like I know where to go. Like I feel like our hospital system also isn't as overwhelmed as other places, um, which isn't like a reason to like not obey guidelines, but it's definitely like something. Um, and so I felt like, yeah, going into it, I was like, you know what, like, at this point, I'm, I'll socially distance, do the best of my ability, and I think I'll be more of an asset than a liability when in Boston, and I think that was kind of where that, like, pro-con balance kind of, like, weighed off for me, um, but people were actually really good there, like, I didn't feel like I, like, I didn't feel, I didn't feel corona-y, like, you know, like, I, I felt like I didn't, touch anyone um there were people actually like when you're heading into franklin park where the, like the kind of initial rally was um they were handing out masks and like giving hand sanitizer and stuff like they were really good and i think they were volunteers from some like medical place i don't even know i have no clue but they were really cool and they were like yeah you need a mask you need this like whatever and and that was cool um yeah people were very very like on board with just like everything you know, like it, it felt like the organizers set a message that they set what they wanted to do and then everybody just did that. And I think that that was really cool that like people went to this, at least at the part I was at, um, listened to the organizers and, and did things. And I think that that's like, cause there's no, like these organizers know what they're doing. And I think that that's like a big part of it. And even in Corona times, like there's no organizer, especially like these black organizers that like care about this, that are going to be like, oh yeah, you know, we get Corona, we get Corona. Like obviously these organizers are thinking about it. And so I think when people listen to them, that like obviously things are going to be at their best. Um, And I felt like that's what happened with this one. I felt like people were very like down for the message and down for like social distancing and, you know, making sure everybody was safe. and I think that was pretty cool. At the Northern protest, was it still a social distance? I know you said it was less people, but it's also knowing what the common is. It's a very small space. Yeah, you know, actually for 100 people, there's a decent amount of space. None of us were six feet apart. I, I'll say that. Like, people were nearby. Everybody was masked up. Um, we had hand sanitizer. I, I don't know how much it got used, but um, it seemed like people were a little less, like, cautious because I think you go into a city and you're like people germs things everywhere it's crowded and so you go in with a mentality of like I need to bubble you know <laughs> like I will be bubble boy I will go in and knock at corona and you go into a Norton one you're thinking like well 
I don't need to be bubble boy. There's no Corona in Norton, which is obviously a lie. Um, and so I, I do think there was a little less um, caution, but yeah, it's, I think at this point though, it feels like a lot of people are thinking like, at what point can we let this keep us quiet? Um, and the other thing we were talking about too, was that like, not not to be like a silver linings kind of person, because um, there really aren't many <laughs> to Corona, but I think the one thing about these protests is that Corona has us all as a captive audience. Most, like a lot of people don't have to work and can go. A lot of people don't have anything to watch on TV or are home all day and can have it tuned to the news all day and be watching this. And I, like, I do wonder, like, if, like the white audience would be as active if it weren't for Corona, which is like a weird thought to have, but I'd be, yeah, I'd be curious to know. I think truthfully, I think also it's interesting because you think George, George Floyd was roughly the third case. Cause it was Ahmaud Ar- Arbery. He yeah. was, he, um, I remember seeing the video of him running. I don't know if there was a, it went to the news of him actually being killed. And Breonna Taylor, who was killed in her bed. Both of those are tragedies. And then, but there wasn't really that big of a groundswell of support. And I think it was only with George Floyd's video, I think because it was such a long video and that it was just such like, you could see the police officer and you could see George Floyd begging for his life. Mm-hmm. So it was just interesting. I think COVID does have a big part to do with why people are paying attention. It's also interesting that it was the third African American person to be killed by in two cases by the police and one case by just random people. Yeah. So yeah. I think something specific was something specific about the video, and I think that's actually going to be something that future generations are gonna like examine. Mm-hmm. There's probably gonna be books written about why was it that video that started this. Yeah, because it, it honestly it's weird. I mean, like because. At the same time, in the past, there have been things like this where, like, over, like, Black people being killed by the police, and it's still on video, you still see someone, like, die, like, live on TV, and it's messed up, Um, and obviously, like, that isn't, like, to discount the power of those protests, but, I mean, this is, like, the biggest civil rights movement in history, at least, like, per day, you know, like, the Mm -hmm. fact that, like, all 50 states have taken part in this, um, and that it's also gone to like what like 18 countries or something like that's like enormous and i think i really think that covid has a huge impact on why that just why george floyd's was so much more powerful than than past videos you know why like we didn't care as much before um at least like some of us you know and, and some of the world didn't care as much before um And I think what's also interesting is that, like, obviously, like, Black people in this country have, like, always cared, um, and have, like, always been at the forefront of this, and I, it's just, it's, it's always weird, you know, sitting down, like, as white people talking about, like, well, why is this important now, like, and it's, why is this important to white people now, and why is it changed for white people, and what, what's happened to white people that's made this change, and, and, which is weird, like, how much that the power of this movement is propelled by like the power behind it is propelled by the black people organizing and yet the popularity and the like kind of crowd mentality of it is so much fueled by white people like being willing to get involved which is like kind of messed up how conditional that seems it's sort of like the same thing in the civil rights movement in the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. these regarding like african americans that civil rights movement whereas like during the Freedom Summer where hundreds of mostly white college students went down to Mississippi and that's when it started to get more news coverage and more sympathetic from the North. So it is weird it's when um, like when certain people are involved, only they care. Or like yeah. that's when like it gets more attention. Yeah, exactly. It's, I think this, I, I think the good thing about this is that this illuminates that like that media bias so much, you know, like it's obviously always existed, but I think this has really shown um, how, you know, things just as tragic happen, but you know, it's when a certain race pays attention, then all of a sudden the world cares and that's messed up in itself. But 
yeah, I, I think just I'd be really curious to know, like in an alternate universe, what happens if, if Corona doesn't exist and white people are working and, and can take, make this an afterthought if that would have just happened, you know, like not to like be like, oh, thanks, Corona. But <laughs> I think it's just I, I feel like it's a, a combination of different social conditions that is really like allowed for this to to be as big of a scale. Um, but yeah, and I also, and that isn't like though to discount the organizing behind it because I don't know what the differences in organizing have been at this one as opposed to other like incidents if, if the organization has changed in terms of like either it's like unity or like if there are just more groups or if there's more support for them or whatever. Um, I don't know what that looks like. I'd be like interested to look more into that. Yeah. Now we're nearing the end, but I just have to talk about another current thing that's happening is that you see um, recently there's been different statues that have been starting to be torn down by protesters and that places are finally distancing themselves from the Confederate flag, mm -hmm. like NASCAR, which is weird that it wasn't like the whole <laughs> Confederate flag thing. It's weird, I think, especially for anyone who's a history major like you were and like I am knowing that. <laughs> or anyone in political science just because it does rep it represents hate and racism it's also just the flag of traitors and I, I, I will never understand why any government or any company will want to associate themselves with that especially because it's weird in my mind that people that sort of cling to the idea of patriotism Mm -hmm. are sort of the people you also in your mind associate or at least a certain type of patriotism mm -hmm. associate with people who also fly the confederate flag yeah and his, that's like a weird to use a college word dichotomy yeah really it's it's very weird that uh yeah that, that just makes me oh it's so mad it's so mad like the amount of people that are like it's not hate it's heritage and i'm like you can shut up like gladly like go away and don't come back um yeah it's yeah okay so <laughs> a specific question um so in boston someone decapitated the columbus statue yeah now i was talking about this earlier and obviously either the statue will be removed or repaired but let's say they decide to remove it because Columbus, mm -hmm. he, he's a murderer. Like it's, mm -hmm. that's just his an historical fact is that he did mm -hmm. decimate an entire population of native people. Mm -hmm. This is, I guess, would you like them to take down the rest of the statue or do you think it's sort of a symbol to leave the statue up without a head? I was talking to, I like that's like I don't think either way it should be taken down or just something put up to say like this guy isn't good. Yeah. But I was wondering like if you thought like oh if they left if they just left the statue decapitated. Actually, you know, I never thought about that. Like honestly, I don't I like the symbolism of like this is when the people got so fed up they decapitated Christopher Columbus in the street and did like I like that. That's fun. But I think at the same time, it's still, that monument is still there, you know? It's like, I feel like for people to have to look at that, you know, and be like, that's still him, you know? It's like, like, I don't know, like, it feels like if you, like, I don't like to, like, make comparisons like this, but, like, if you, like, have, like, you're in Germany, and you have a statue of Hitler, and you knock his head off, I still think, take down the Hitler statue, you know? Because, it's still, it's still Hitler's body, you know? And I feel like similarly with Columbus, like at that point, take it down because I think it also shows as much as I like the idea of, of a perpetual like resistance and like that being like a symbol. I also think that there needs to be something said for the fact that like, if, if we're going to have resistance movements that are advocating for change, we're obviously advocating to like cities and to police departments and, and to government and to, and to local politicians and, and whatever. Um, and so to always expect that we are always going to be against those entities, I think inherently says that those inherent, like those entities can never help us. Even if we reconstruct them by having them 
they can't be a source like of good for the people and like obviously that's the kind of way the government stands today but i think that by asserting that that will always be a continued stance says that it kind of almost inherently says like that our movements are only our movements and that they can't actually influence change and so like i guess that's a long-winded way of, of saying that i think the city should take it down because i think it needs to show that like the city needs to show that it's in itself changing um and if that can't happen then we're always going to be stuck with this reminder that we're all living in this horrible city and that can never change um and so that's not to say that i'm like oh we need to like pretend like the city's good um but more like like in the advocacy for revolution you need i think there needs to be an understanding of like well what does that revolutionary future actually look like um because there like there has to be some goal to it and hopefully that goal would be that those statues that the man will acknowledge that those statues shouldn't be there um if that makes sense it does so i guess to wrap up this interview um or what may be a primary source for future generations of AP US students. Which I'm glad that the word bubble boy shows up in it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just picture, I'm just picturing seeing that on like a DBQ. It's having to like, okay, when Casey Smith said the word bubble boy. It's like a picture of John Travolta like in the bubble and it's like, what like historical document does this reference? This this is has to do with these protests. But um so last questions or two questions is that one, what do you think the next best steps are? And two, I originally wrote, what do you hope to see? But I'm gonna change that down to what are, are you hopeful of what's gonna happen next? So what do you think the next steps are and are you hopeful? Yeah, I mean, I think na nationwide next steps are like, get rid of the police, make something else, make, uh, just something, do better, be best, like just do better, um, I think, for me, I think police reform is stupid. I think it's a waste of time because um, obviously the system is so messed up. And I think that going to these protests, um, again, for me, and like obviously for me, like being a white person, this is like coming to me much later in life and not out of necessity as it would for other people, um, making that clear. Um, that this is like so beyond messed up that there's like, this just this system can't exist because there's no purpose in having police doing all the things that they're doing um because half of them are things that they don't like they're not even qualified to do like i'm sorry but like traffic cop like you're telling me you're paying overtime for some guy to have police training to like direct cars like i i don't know like that that alone just gets me going but suffice to say um I think, so yeah, so I, I absolutely think police abolition and, and replacement and, and community like servicing is like, is like the next step, like that's where the government has to go. Um, and I think as people advocating for that, um, that's not gonna come easy. And so I think that just never letting up on that is also a next step. And I think on a more individual level, I think everybody has like their different areas of like strength and stuff. And I know, like with me, like I, I know I like, like local government i like paperwork i like weird like bureaucratic things and i like i don't know going to town meetings and stuff and i feel like i that's that's where i can be useful um because i know that like not every space is for me and not every um part of this is for for me to lead or anything but i i think that the most important thing is like especially for like white people in this is to be able to be like the ball boy and to be the worker bee and, and just do what needs to be done and, and do what helps other people feel comfortable and i know that you know like i know i haven't always done that perfectly or or whatever but i definitely want to try to just be useful you know in whatever way i can um and i think if everybody can look at it like where can you be useful and where where can people use your help um rather than trying to like you know especially for people who hold more privilege like in this country it's like it's not a matter of like what can we start and what can we like you know like what big movement can we begin but rather like what movements can we jump onto and like help out and just like be that person who can just do some servicing um 
and yeah and so wait what was your second question i've been talking the so second long, I question what was, was are you hopeful yes yeah i'm general i'm an optimistic person by nature i've always been hopeful sophomore year in high school i was like this country treats people horribly i hate everything but i'm like but i believe it can be good and you know what like seven years have passed and whatever like maybe that hasn't happened totally but i'm continuously optimistic um just because i at what else is there to do you know but hope that there can be a better outcome than what already exists and i think especially seeing some police departments like kind of starting to cave um i think it's in seattle that people have like taken over like a precinct um seeing like how people are especially like even though the news isn't always like reporting these things accurately the fact that like i'm seeing on social media different stories and seeing people being like no the, like things actually were peaceful and the news is misreporting and and stuff like that uh, or that the news is is misreporting like why people are being violent you know that people aren't just going into to loot but people are being provoked and then they're getting violent you know which is very different um but the fact that I'm even seeing this stuff on other channels means that like we're capable of doing more than just what like mass media would have us um believe or, or what the government would have us believe or, or what like oppressive systems would have us believe and so with that i do think that there are grassroots channels for information and for change and so i i can see that like being increasingly powerful in the next coming weeks so overall i like i don't know I, like I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm in the zone. Like I'm ready. So, yeehaw. Well, thank you. I think this was very. This is the first uh, interview style recording. I don't know. I don't know what good way to describe it, but I thought you could to document what people are actually thinking and feeling right now, since this is the weirdest time in history. It's whack. Yeah. <laughs> with everything going on. So I hope you. I hope you enjoyed saying your part. And I hope the people who do listen to this later enjoy hearing what you had to say. So thank you. And this was thank you to mention where this came from. WCCS Wheaton College's podcast will be on Spotify later, and then hopefully next year actually back on campus. So thank you and goodbye. <laughs>